It wouldn't be the slam go if we didn't mock somebody, right? Uh, it is mock draft season, so I believe oh. mocking is <laughs> in the air. Aha. Well, let's, let's uh, start by mocking the Jets. What, their the, uniforms. what the hell are these things? I, uh, I'm going to send you a link. Uh, there's, I found this link to uh, the Jets, uh, their unveiling of their new, um, their new uniforms on NJ.com. Is that New Jersey or something? Oh, and yes. I'm gonna, we're going to hear it from both Craig and, and Jason after this. But, um, well, this is, this is a time we should have Jason's input. Yeah. So they, <laughs> the, <laughs> the, um, I don't know. The new uniforms are um, they're Gotham green, which apparently mm. is inspired by New York's toughness, right? And there's and that on that link that I sent you. There's this picture of, um, of what's his name, Sam Darnold, yeah, kind of holding the microphone, pointing at the crowd. <laughs> this is so douchey, and it's like the guy. This if one thing, there's one thing that Sam Darnold is not. It's tough. I mean, <laughs> he just does not like. He's got the little like split back hair, and he just doesn't look tough anyway. He maybe he's a tough guy. He's tougher than I am. At the, at the internet, I mean, yeah, well, that's the, we'll just say that out of the gate. He's tougher than both of us, right? Right. Um, right. Uh, but yeah, I think the just looking at these, my initial reaction was, uh, are these the new uniforms for the San Jose SaberCats Arena football team? <laughs> Because those of us that used to know about the Sabercats, mm-hmm. you do a quick Google search, yeah. and you compare side by side. I want your, I want your, uh, your right. unbridled I'm reaction. I'm searching. I'm searching. Let's see. I wanted to do this live, and I know this is not always the way to do it, but I wanted to get it live to get oh. your true reaction. Yeah, you know, you you have a point. Um, they got the Sabercats have the stripe across the shoulder Mm -hmm. and the jets have the kind of little pointy stripe going out to the sides, but otherwise it's the same uniform. I will say this, the jets had the same uniform for a very long time. So I think a change was probably coming. Um, You know, I I just feel, I feel bad for the players. They put it, put in those, like these are current actual players and they're like, put them in these like cheesy poses and like, well, that's, that's just part of the, they have to do that for the, for the, for the shoot. But um, I mean, and then you know, of course, of course, the Jets have Namath on hand. Like you can't do anything as the Jets without having Joe Namath there. So I can't really make fun of that because when the when the last year when the when the Niners unveiled their uh, color rush or whatever the fiftieth and thirtieth anniversary ones they were doing twenty fifth anniversary, excuse me, um, uh, they were the throwbacks um, that you know Rice and company wore during the the Super Bowl run and. Uh-huh. Um, and so Rice was there to unveil it and just, you know, shows up and he does a backflip and it's oh, like, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> and everyone's like, okay, we get it, man. Like, yeah. you can still, you're still Jerry Rice. Just calm down. So I think huh. I can see that, you know, if you're the Jets, I mean, who else are you going to bring out to do it? You know, it's kind of, kind of got it. That's kind of the sad part about it. Yeah. He's the, like the one guy you can trot out there for having had success, but you know, uh, I, anyway. I mean, that's, you know, that's not a full. It's not a full bashing session. The Jets have Jamal Adams. He's very good. Yeah, very sure. good. Yep. And uh, we'll see what Darnold turns into. No, I. I mean, I like uh, Quincy Anunua. He's cool. No, the uh, actual the actual team's fine. I just uh, yeah, yeah. just the uniforms and kind of the no, they're the cheesy they're way gonna, that they unveil these things. You know, 
You know, and the helmets I noticed, not to dig any more deeply in this than we need to, but the helmets I noticed, like the way that they have the sort of like, you know, just like the gloss on on helmets that you have to have, it kind of looks more like they're like really dark green as opposed to Uh whatever this Gotham green is that the jerseys are. You know what I mean? Like kind of offsetting. But the black ones I think don't look bad. The white ones maybe okay. I don't know. The problem with black, black uniforms is that it makes you look smaller, so you're less intimidating to the other team. I don't know. You look at Anuno right there. I think he's uh, <laughs> he's a big man. He's, he's ready to rock somebody. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. At least at least they're not playing for the AAF. There is that. Um, yeah. <laughs> Never forget. But remember, guess, remember that. Remember that. Like three weeks when the AAF was a thing. <laughs> eight weeks. But eight and, weeks. Um, yeah. You're I guess right, no, it was. No, it was no, one's, no one's playing for the AAF anymore. Yeah, I don't know. Man. But uh, a couple of guys are getting picked up. You had a, um, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. You had a receiver um, from the Arizona team go to the uh, yep, uh, Panthers. Ross. Panthers, yep. yep. And then you had a, um, Keith Reeser, shout out, former 49er, uh, uh, yeah. that uh, is now in uh, Kansas City. Mm-hmm. So, you know, hey, that's, yeah. that's all you can hope for. I mean, uh, well, aside from it's, the league still going on, you can hope for that. But, um, you know, if it is going to end, you hope it just leads to another job, you know? Yeah, I mean, the whole thing for me about the AF thing is, like, it's, it's just, it was just so poorly managed, you know? Like, apparently, I think Steve Spurrier is one who said that when, when they were recruiting him to, to coach in it, that they, they claimed that they had three years of operating expenses. Yeah. Go, you know? And yeah. then they don't even make it through one season and they, and they shut the doors. And one season? They, you said eight weeks. I mean, like, they... Well, they had two uh, games. They had two games to go in the regular season. They were almost done. Yeah, almost done. Yeah. I mean, who's running this thing? The fire festival guys? Like, what? <laughs> what are they pretending they had money when they didn't? Like, what? What's going on here? Yeah. Um, no, I agree. I mean, that's a fair question for him to have asked, and if that was the response he got, I didn't even know that tidbit. That's great knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just ridiculous because I thought the AAF had real staying power if it was going to be looked at as like a farm system right. for the NFL. You know. Um, well, I think they they started it up, and they kind of were hoping to to get that in place, to but inevitably become that, right? Yeah, but it's yeah. almost like like it just seemed like just the whole thing seems mismanaged. Like they should have, oh yeah, had those negotiations with the NFL in advance. Oh uh, yeah, I mean the NFL seemed to be supporting them. It was on NFL Network and all that stuff. I mean that, and the NFL's probably like, hey, we'll worry about you when we got to worry about you. You know, like, well, oh, you're, sure, you're yeah. not you're not a threat. You know, okay. Um, um, but I think. There's there's all types of there's all types of uh, room for something like this, you know. Yeah. Like you can, I mean, it could open the doors for a lot of things. You could try new rules rules in the AAF mm-hmm. and see how they work. Let the refs get used to them. Let yeah. players kind of get used to them. Let the let the optics of it kind of come out, mm-hmm. and then you just kind of go from there and you bring them into the league. I mean, there's a lot of opportunity there. Or even you go further and say, hey, we're going to shrink NFL roster sizes a little bit more, mm-hmm. um, and you can use kind of like your practice squad players, you know, in some extension of the AAF, there can be practice squad can be the middle ground between mm-hmm. AAF and the NFL. Like, I don't know. I think there's opportunity. Um, yeah. I guess the mismatch is that there are only eight teams in the AAF. So you couldn't, you know, it's not like a one-to-one kind of farm team to each NFL team. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe it could be like, that's the pool that like practice squad players can like mm-hmm. they either get picked up to or go to if they hit waivers or something. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think there is something there if you put enough, you know, energy and thought into it. Um, yeah, we'll see if the, the XFL is coming back. 
That's true. Next year. And right. we'll see so, what happens with that. Yeah, we'll see. I, I mean, there's not room really for, I don't think there'd be room for two spring football leagues. No, no problem. Um, so, but I just, I don't know. Maybe they could just like, join forces or something, you know, like pool well, their money and make sure it lasts for more than eight games. Yeah, I mean, the, the XFL was a one-and-done season last time, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and the AAF barely, barely got to tell the one season uh, just fell short. So it'll be interesting. Um, apparently, I saw a little snippet. I didn't see the whole interview, but just a tagline for an article today said that um, someone asked Spurrier, like, hey, would you be interested in you know, coaching in the XFL if that's the next thing that's coming up next year? Yeah. And he said, sure. So I'm like, yeah, you know, like that could be something that uh, that could be the next step for, for some of the coaches or maybe even some of the players, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, sounds good to me. I, did, I mean, I just – I liked having – it was great. The option of watching football, and it was good yeah. quality. You know, it wasn't, yeah. wasn't quite NFL level, but, you know, you knew these guys were – some of them were just playing – like they were just thrilled to be pl- on a field again, you know. Exactly. Some yeah. of them were kind of like trying to catch the eye of the NFL, and some were, I mean, just like supporting their families by getting, you know, 70 grand a, a game or whatever it was. Um, yeah. You know, so it was, I, it was fun. I thought, you know, I, was, I liked it, but um, just uh, really not very impressed with how, how they handled the whole thing. It's kind of like just suspending operations so so abruptly, and then um, you know not coming out right away and like letting the players know that they could sign with teams. So the NFL had to come out with a statement saying our teams should not like our you know they shouldn't be looking at these players because technically the AAF hadn't ended their season. Right. So until until the AAF kind of made that statement that it was okay for NFL teams to talk to them. Yeah. Like all those players were also like kind of locked out of even talking to the NFL. Yeah. And I mean, there was all these tweets about like how the play, you know, players didn't even know, like they showed up just mm-hmm. like thinking practice is going on or some of them think a game is going on soon. Yeah, and, right. and it's like, uh, nope. And it's like, whoa. Okay. Yeah. So not the, not the best management, but no, yeah. no. Anyway. Um, you know, now that these, these two players are entering, you know, going, getting into the NFL probably shakes up the draft quite a bit. Don't you think? No. Probably. Oh yeah, total total ripple effect. Uh, <laughs> They're gonna knock some guy off of some practice squad. Yeah, some poor guy is not making a squad now. No, I mean you know we'll see we'll see um, who else comes from it. I mean if anybody, otherwise you know it's like an extension of free agency and you know you can maybe add another piece or two, even for depth or just mm-hmm. for pushing your starter or whatever it is. Yeah, there's a little um, tape on these guys, right? So maybe yeah. you know if somebody goes down, you know five games in or something into the next season they can call up one of these guys so yeah yeah i feel like you always got to be worried about injury right like there's no mm-hmm. there's no shortage of that yep, um so, well actually injury yeah. spe- speaking of injury that jogged my memory a little bit i read something earlier today that uh your uh your favorite receiver in the world doug baldwin mm-hmm. is uh gonna have sports hernia surgery yeah yeah they're actually expecting it not to be a very easy recovery too and He's okay. had, you know, he's had surgeries and like he's been injured a lot the last couple of years. So yeah. there's speculation that he uh, is nearing the end of his career. So, yeah, I mean, he certainly has been bogged down um, mm-hmm. for for a bit. It seems with not just injuries, not just nagging injuries that I'm sure you accumulate, but you know, um, kind of new ones sort of popping up, right? That mm-hmm. kind of lend themselves to like some real wear and tear. Yeah, the hernia stuff is pretty concerning. That's that's hard to recover from. Um, yeah, you can, but it's a it's a pretty painful injury. 
Yeah, and even you know, even before that that story came out about kind of that late, latest story about him. Yeah, I was already thinking that the Seahawks needed another receiver. So sure, you got Tyler Lockett to stretch the field. You got yeah. Doug Baldwin to kind of you know, um, like he's a great slot receiver. And then you need like another like a big outside receiver or something. Yeah, like red zone kind of guy. So um, yeah, I don't know if you want to segue right into the draft, but I like I you know I was kind of looking at some of the mock drafts and stuff, and there's uh, like some of them are you know several of them are projecting the Seahawks will take a a receiver at. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a deep receiver class. I think I've said that um, either on a couple episodes or just in, in or also in other conversations I've been having about the draft. You know, pretty regularly um, yeah. on the daily for the most part with the kind of whoever talks to me, um, and and therefore doesn't talk to me anymore. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a good it's a good receiver class. Um, I don't think, and not just in that you know. Everyone always said, okay, well, is there a Julio? Is there a AJ Green? Is there a, you know, uh, an Odell? Is there like an immediate difference maker? I mm-hmm. think there are a couple guys that can be immediate difference makers, mm-hmm. day one kind of starters, and, and even not just day one starters, but de facto outside receiver, you know, kind of go to go to guys. So if that's what the Seahawks are kind of thinking about, you know, it's, it's, it's a good way to go. And Having a receipt, we you and I always talk about having someone cap controlled, right? Having someone right in in a situation where you've got them for three years, four years locked into something, and um, a receiver is a very expensive position, right? Mm-hmm. Like we've seen that. So having a guy be cap controlled uh, at that position is really, really good. And and you know the Seahawks obviously um, have, will have the need more so already if uh, more so than they already do if Baldwin decides to uh, to to you know, either take a long time to, to get back to health or just mm-hmm. call it, you know? Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's an interesting, interesting turn that it could take. Uh, a recent what? mock recent mock draft I saw had the Seahawks ending up with DK Metcalf, which would be maybe a little surprising because of mm-hmm. what he was able to do at the combine usually sparks someone's interest prior to where they're picking. Raiders. Raiders. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> And normally I would agree with you. That's a very Al Davis style pick, right? Like right. super combine monster, crazy, you know, can stretch the field, all that stuff. But they made the A-B trade. They paid yeah. free agent money to get Tyrell Williams. Yes, they could still take a receiver with one of their three picks. But I don't know if the receivers as much of a need now as tight end with the Raiders sure. yeah. specifically. But yeah. um, DK Metcalf seems like he could play tight end. He's so stacked. DK, I, he's, you know, I mean – and obviously, you try not to get enamored too much in just a combine workout and whatnot. But like sure. the the t- the games that he did play in college, he was hurt, so he played a spare amount of games. But the games that he did play in college, I mean, you saw like some some real ability out of him in terms of just like and he didn't have to run a complicated route tree, and right. rarely do you in college. But for him to be somewhat dominant with a pretty simplistic route tree, he's pretty much just running go routes like all day because he's just. This yeah. giant human. Um, <laughs> I read. I read today. <laughs> read somewhere. Not today. Uh, earlier this week. Um, I, I as one of the guys at NFL Network. I think uh, actually is a probably Dar- Daniel Jeremiah. He's one of my favorite um, mm-hmm. analysts. He said uh, he's going to start calling DK Metcalf the human bat suit. He's like that's what he looks like. He's <laughs> he's Batman in the suit, but that's yeah. just how he normally looks. Right. Right. <laughs> oh man. So you made that point about you know cap, getting a cap controlled receiver. Yeah. Uh, the other, 
the other kind of situation where that becomes even more important is if um, if Russell gets the big extension, right? Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, you're kind of even more pushed to do that if this whole thing with Russell kind of takes a turn. And I got to admit, it's an interesting, interesting route, right? Earlier in the day, yesterday, I believe it's, or the day before, it's like, hey, he's saying, you know, I need a new contract. I need it before mm-hmm. April 15th, before, you know, um, the next the next calendar mark on the, on the mm-hmm. NFL calendar. And then the next thing I read is that him and his camp are saying, you know, I'd love to get it done before then, but if it doesn't, it's fine. And I'm like, this guy, <laughs> this is yeah. not really the way to like leverage yourself into getting a deal done. But I will tip my hat, you know, in that he's not being a headache because of it, right, um, right. per se. You know, like, yeah, that news is getting out there somehow, but he's not out here saying like, well, pay me or I'm going to hold up. You know, he's saying like, well, of course I'd love to just be paid through the end of my contract, but um, if not, you know, we'll worry about it next year. And, yeah. and and he's in a he's in a win-win situation, right? Because the cap is always going up and the price market for quarterbacks yeah, is always to, going yeah. way the hell up, right? Yeah, there's just there's the risk of injury, I guess, in the meantime. Um fair. You know, uh yeah, one thing I read was that his actual like his leverage, like he, like say they don't get it done in time. Yeah, like he's not gonna sit out, like he's gonna show up for for all the, you know, kind of uh, voluntary workouts and all that kind of stuff, but right. his leverage would be that he wouldn't like he wouldn't sign next year, like when they have to extend him. Um, but, you know, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it plays out. The other thing that could have changed his mind is my kind of this like fantasy scenario that I have, which isn't going to happen. But like say, say the Seahawks somehow <laughs> packaged up their whole draft and like most of next year's draft to move up and take the like trade Russell to the Cardinals and get, grab that number one pick and pick up Kyler Murray. And then they'd have their number one quarterback locked in at that discount kind of rookie contract price, and you build a team around him. So similar style of player. Yeah. Here, here's what I would say about that. Um, <laughs> if we're talking about it actually happening somehow, uh-huh. I don't think the Seahawks would have to give up Russell and a bunch of picks. I think Russell himself is worth. Mm-hmm. I mean, easily two first rounders. You know, in most mm-hmm. in most conversations. And you could even leverage maybe even like a another like second rounder or something like that. Like he's worth a lot, right? Yeah, that's true. Um, and so I don't know what it would take, but for for Arizona, the the dividend of doing it would be like, well, we get that pick done. We get mm-hmm. Russell. We get they're drafting Russell at the top instead of Kyler. Yeah. is the way they see it, right? Yep. Um, the the reason I I mean, there's plenty of reasons why I think this would be crazy is also that uh kyler i think is in the conversation for number one the number one pick because of who has the number one pick right because the cardinals have it and their coach newly newly appointed coach runs the flavor of offense that they think uh really Mm -hmm. speaks to kyler's strengths blah 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 Mm -hmm. obviously they would also speak to russell wilson's strength because you know he's he's clearly very capable but what i'm getting at is uh I don't know if Kyler works in every offense the right. way I think Russell can work in, you you know, he can make things work in most offenses. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know that it would be crazy if all of a sudden the Cardinals had Russell Wilson, David Johnson, Larry Fitzgerald, mm-hmm. uh, a young Christian Kirk, who I'm, I think I, I regard very highly, you know, all of a sudden you're putting butts in the seats no matter what. Oh yeah. Um, and you're, so, you're never out of a game. That's yeah. kind of what Russell's proved in Seattle too. You know, like yeah. um, all those comebacks and stuff. I guess 
yeah, like to me, it's like it's the whole the whole salary cap thing. It makes it so it's so hard to pay a quarterback big money and put good people around him. You know, so I don't know. I mean, the Seahawks haven't done a great job of that the last couple of years, I'd say. Um, and I don't know. Like you have a cheap quarterback, it gives you just more kind of room to work. Yeah. Well, the thing with the thing with paying a quarterback big money, I think, is um, it just puts all of the pressure on the draft, right? Mm-hmm. It puts all of the pressure on your GM to hit on the draft because they have to mm-hmm. rebuild the roster at the more pricey positions um, through the draft and hit on those picks for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, more, more, more with even more like uh, emphasis than you need to, right? And then also you kind of have to double down even and get, excuse me, get, get players in the draft at the positions that will also directly benefit the quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. You have to invest in like linemen, receivers, mm-hmm. then you can't neglect defense because a quarterback needs someone on defense, right? Mm-hmm. To, to get them the ball back and all that stuff. So it's a really crazy, it's a crazy thing, right? You go through all of this, stress and effort and turmoil and everything that you need to find a quarterback then you finally find one then you're in this like magical window of like we mm-hmm. found one great oh my god then it's like oh crap we're gonna have to pay him so much money mm-hmm. and then you pay him so much money you still got him now you've got him for the next five years and you're like cool that's our window you're like mm-hmm. well crap we have to put a team around him or keep the team that's around him yeah right that's what we saw with with seattle sort of like seattle you know has has gone through the the recycle a bit because of partly of injuries, but also because of contract stipulations, right? Mm-hmm. People wanting to get paid more, not being able to, it happens. But I mean, we've seen teams kind of have to retool with this, right? Um, the Saints are an example I use a lot. Drew Brees has been one of the higher paid quarterbacks for a long time now. Mm-hmm. And the Saints had to go through like a refresh of like, okay, we're not going to pay Jimmy Graham. We're going to trade him instead. Okay, we're not going to, you know, pay Brandon Cooks, we're going to just draft mm-hmm. someone and they hit on Michael Thomas. And then, mm-hmm. you know, oh, we're not going to, you know, pay this guy. We're going to draft this guy. And they, they kind of, like, go through it. So they're, I think, a great example of, like, replenishing through the draft and actually hitting on those guys, right? They're kind of doing it the best. Mm-hmm. You've seen other teams try to do it, and it kind of just doesn't go anywhere, right? you got um, – uh, I mean, I, I wasn't sure if we were going to touch on it today, and we could probably dive more into it tomorrow – or tomorrow. Yeah, let's do another episode tomorrow. Okay. Um, but uh, this big article that came out today about the Packers, so yeah. much about it had to do with like, well, you paid Rodgers all this money. Mm-hmm. Um, where does the blame go that this hasn't worked in a mm-hmm. better fashion, right? You got, he's got two MVPs and one ring. Mm-hmm. And you got arguably a guy that they talk about as a surefire Hall of Famer. Obviously he is. Yeah. You know, all, all of the things you could say about Rodgers. Well, why hasn't this worked? And mm-hmm. the blame that was being placed was like, in some degree, equal parts Rodgers, some degree, equal parts McCarthy. Mm-hmm. And then there's a third contingent that's like, no, no, no. They're doing normal head coach and quarterback stuff, and mm-hmm. conflict happens. But the GM had his head in the sand. Yeah. Wondering about, like, it's yeah, a nice way to say it. You know, right. <laughs> really. Um, you know, and I'm paraphrasing here. I think that's in the article. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, about replenishing talent around Rodgers, about yeah. making sure that his receivers that he needed, the the Jordy Nelsons of the world and the the you know Greg Jennings, whoever else you know guys that or even the O linemen that ended up leaving, like those guys don't leave, they can't leave, you mm-hmm. know. But it's like, well, you wanted this big ass contract, 
and then you also want us to keep everybody. Well, mm-hmm. how does that work? You know? Yeah. This is why the Patriots have been a dynasty for most of our lives. Tom, Tom, Tom keeps taking pay cuts, but I mean, he also pay cut by his normal quarterback sense. He's still, obviously he's still making plenty of money, but um, he's, he's pretty comfortable. Yeah. He's comfortable, right? But um, <laughs> he's comfortable in those Uggs. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, if you look at the guys on their roster that get paid, it's mm-hmm. always like, oh, it was, you know, Gronk. Or it was maybe like one or two other guys. And then it was Brady. And then one or two other guys, three other guys. And it was maybe Edelman. And like the rest of it's just, they replenish through the draft. Mm-hmm. They, they, you know, get, they also have the biggest uh, outlier luxury here of people will go to them for a deal because you're yeah. going to go on a, on a deep playoff, if not Super Bowl run, mm-hmm. if you go to them. So they kind of have that going for them. Right. Where some of these other teams kind of don't, right? Like Seattle might not get that luxury anymore. Green mm-hmm. Bay hasn't for a while. New mm-hmm. Orleans may or may not, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, sure. Um, so it's really tough. Uh, I don't know how, like, GMs ever, like, really go to sleep at night. You know, like, you're either out there scouring, trying to find the next quarterback, or you found him and you're just, like, trying to, like, hope and pray to God that the picks you make work. Because that's the only way the ship's going to stay afloat long enough to get a couple runs. But I mean, it's it's part of why we it's part of why we like watch to see how these teams rebuild over the years and mm-hmm. and why parity is such a big thing in the NFL. Except for when you get to you know the end of the year where kind of the same the same team from the AFC and you know uh, <laughs> one of a couple teams from the NFC shows up. Right. Right. Um. Yeah, so it's probably not going to happen, that whole wrestle scenario. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just – I guess anything's possible. Did we ever think, like, A.B. and Odell would be traded the same offseason? I mean, I don't know. Right. Like, who knows what's possible? Um, Yeah, so just to kind of – I guess, like, like I'll just talk a little bit more about Seahawks draft, and then I'd love to hear about what you're thinking about for the Niners. But – the uh, the other oh, I didn't think this at at first, but I was, the more I read about it, the more it kind of makes sense to me that um that a safety is a need for Seattle. Like I didn't yeah. realize their safeties yeah. were ranked like twenty fourth or something. Like I thought, you know, they were young. I knew like they they thought they did a pretty solid job last year. Yeah, but they actually didn't do as good a job as I kind of perceived with my Homer eyes, I guess. Um, so that's a that's a direction, and then like edge rusher, you know, that's a deep deep draft for that yep. draft position. So. Yep. Those are all things, kind of the possibilities I see at that 21 pick. Yeah. I, actually, so I, I, I looked around for a, a mock draft that didn't have Kyler Murray going number one to the Cardinals, and I finally found one on some obscure site that I hadn't ever heard of. Oh, for real? They still had, <laughs> they still had Kyler Murray going number one, but to the Raiders. They said uh, yes. the Raiders are going to j- jump up. But then I, I, I was like, oh, that's kind of an interesting theory. Then I, went, I scrolled down to the Seahawks pick. Uh, and they had the Seahawks taking yet another running back at 21. So I was like, oh, okay. this, this site has no credibility. So, so you hit X on that tab and yeah. you said never to, be, never to be heard from again. Right. I was really more of a case of like, God damn it, they're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> another running back. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Anything's possible. Like, you never know what they're up to uh, up yeah. there. Um, Best player uh, available, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I – I would have to say they don't need another running back. Um, right. You know, actually, they'd be better off 
if they could trade down into the top of the, net, the second round and pick up another pick, because they only have four picks total in the draft too. So, And they're in an ideal spot to just sort of hang back and be like, hey, does someone want to jump up into the first round, mm-hmm. get you know, maybe someone that they didn't think was slipping that maybe they, uh, that is, and, you know, you get an extra fifth-year option for someone. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a good position to trade out of for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see them doing that, you know. Um, and John Schneider's made made most of his – most of his money, you know, in the late, in the mid, mid rounds, right. That's where he's been really, really cashing in on a lot of these guys, probably outside of like Earl Thomas being his earliest pick that he absolutely crushed. Um, you know, uh, yeah, Russell so, was third rounder. Russell was third rounder. Um, you know, Doug Baldwin's undrafted free agent, you know, yeah. like they, he's, he's That's, this got lucky that one. It, it takes some of that too, though. Right. You got to get, it happens. So what are the uh, what are the the Niners' needs? Well, um, I'd have to say, uh, I mean, edge edge is actually still a need to me. And then some people are like, "Well, they got D Ford." Like, what? I'm like, "Well, their edge was really depleted in terms of actual guys that get pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, they're be- a lot better, more improved against the run for a, a couple a couple seasons now. Still middling, but that was because they were historically bad. So they've definitely made progress, but there's still room to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, so the other side of D Ford is kind of what I'm uh, envisioning here. And I've kind of been in this camp for the whole time. Like, I think um, edge, you know, defensive end, kind of that, you know, position as, a, as, as one thing uh, is primary. Uh, I think secondary to that, you know, a receiver certainly wouldn't hurt it either. They do need kind of that alpha number one receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, uh, I would have said anywhere in the secondary, except in free agency, they added a couple more bodies to corner than, than they did to safety. Uh, they need their Earl Thomas for their, their version of the Seattle defense. Um, so getting that, you know, center fielder um, is definitely high priority. And lastly, I'd probably say like, you know, interior line or just a, uh, a swing offensive lineman that can kind of play inside or outside, give some depth, I think would be great as well. Um, so that's probably the priority of needs. I'd say um, edge is still like its own tier. And the next tier is, you know, safety or receiver, kind of depending on how the draft bo- draft is is sliding, right? Mm-hmm. So that's that's what I envision going on. Um, I think it's been hard and hard for me to buy in that the Cardinals are just – actually doing away with Josh Rosen and going for Kyler Murray. Mm-hmm. I get their reasoning for doing it. Like, don't, don't get me wrong there. I just find it hard to believe that they're actually going to do it. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it makes sense in a lot of different ways. When you look at what he can do, what their coach wants to do if he's running the same offense, mm-hmm. but I'm just sitting there. And I'm like, well then, then you trade Josh Rosen before the draft, right? You don't, you don't trade him during the draft. I don't feel like that's when you're getting your, your best value for him. Yeah. You trade him before and you kind of just go from there. Right. So, and, and maybe they're waiting till the 11th hour to do that. Uh, I'll, I'll give them a pass on that. But yeah, the, the re- I, mean, I guess like if somebody, you know, somebody pulled a, what was it? Ditka's saints. Right. Like, traded everything. Yeah. Yeah. Like through their entire draft end to get Kyler Murray or whoever they thought was that yeah. top pick. Yeah. yeah, I mean, maybe that's a reason. But it's like, that's not likely. And I think you're right. Like, I mean, the thing about, like, if you trade Rosen ahead of, ahead of the draft, you're basically, uh, you know, you're counting on, I guess you have to be very, very sure that Kyler Murray is your guy yeah. uh, in order to do that. But, yeah. I mean, like you're saying, that coach knows him from before. Like, he's 
enamored of them clearly. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, or I mean, that's why, that's I guess you be the GM. I guess. Well, not not just that. No. Um, uh, aside from that, I guess their 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 final move could be have both on the roster and just wait out. You know, if there's some camp injury or some sudden retirement or something that goes down and someone's mm-hmm. in dire need, and you get you know what Philly did with Sam Bradford a couple seasons ago, right? You end up trading him for a first, and it's like. Really? Like, are mm-hmm. you really doing that? Like, I got to think Bradford's real value in the rest of the league then versus Rosen's right now, you mm-hmm. know, probably you would, you'd be able to make the argument, right? I mean, he's a 10th pick in last year's draft. Mm-hmm. And he had a, a very shaky, shaky year, but like a lot he had of- a rough year on a bad team. I mean, right. what do you, yep. you know? So I don't know. I, the reason I bring all that up is if, this is the biggest smoke screen ever perpetuated. And uh, the Cardinals just decide, no, we're still actually going to go with um, uh, Quinn and Williams, the DT from, from Alabama, or, hey, we like Nick Bosa. We're going edge and we're going to have, you know, a really feisty defense with him and Chandler Jones. Then that puts the Niners in this interesting position, right? Where maybe a team that didn't think they could ever get a shot at Kyler or someone else mm-hmm. now wants to trade in and they've got to, you know, at least hear out those offers. Yeah. If everything stays the way we're kind of projecting it with Kyler going one, then I think Nick Bose is the pick for the Niners and mm-hmm. they don't necessarily need to overthink it. The, yeah. the arguments you're hearing a lot of is like, well, what about Quinn and Williams? I think Quinn and Williams is going to be a really, really good player. I just think that when you're picking at two, it's fine to have more than one option that you could take. Like people yeah. act like there's only one decision and there's no other decision and that's it. And you're <laughs> stupid for even thinking about something else. And I'm like, Listen, it's the top of the damn draft. Yeah. Like, God forbid there's more than one guy that you're like, maybe they could work. Maybe they could look this, this way or that way. But in terms of scheme and in terms of, like, getting the most out of the roster as it stands right now, mm-hmm. I think having that other piece, edge rusher, on the other side of D Ford mm-hmm. um, will free up things for DeForest Buckner inside. And then there's a litany of guys that can be running next to Buckner, rotating inside at the other DT spot. And I think it just helps the whole defense balance out. Yeah. If you get Quinn and Williams, you end up playing a couple other guys maybe out of their best position, and you're kind of you're kind of torpedoing, um, you know, some of the guys like Solomon Thomas, maybe the third pick two years ago, who um, played out. They tried to make an edge, and he kind of played out of position in terms of pass rush. He was fine against the run, but wasn't able to really generate a lot of pass rush. And then they kick him inside and his hurries goes up. Um, uh, his tackles for loss goes up. You know, like, mm-hmm. he seems more adept at playing inside. So I think rather than tank that pick with another pick who could also still be very good, mm-hmm. you could kind of get, like, two for one here, right? You get edge and that alleviates the burden on everyone else on the line. Mm-hmm. And you get to play the guys that play at their best position, you know, at their best position. Yeah. Yeah. Smart. So we'll see. I, I don't know. I think um, if they took Quinn and Williams over Nick Bosa and they just saying, hey, we're going with the guy we value the most, you know, what regardless of position, I'm not going to complain. Like, it, yeah. okay, then maybe you have like a very dominant interior D line potentially. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with that. You're going to win. You're going to yeah. ideally win a lot of games that way. So yeah, it's, hard, it's hard to have too much depth at the, yeah. the D line, right? You know, exactly. So, um, yeah, that makes, that all makes a lot of sense. I'm actually, I'm just, you know, even though I am a fan of the, the Seattle Seahawks, I 
I'm really curious to see uh, Jimmy G play out a season. I just like I really want to see how I mean, you do with him at, at the helm. You and me both, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I sure. I, uh, I want to see it. I want to see what uh, what we can do. You know, like Cal Shanahan's been able to get a lot of production out of guys that are undrafted quarterback, like undrafted quarterback, or you know, George Kittle's a like fifth round pick tight end. Mm-hmm. and getting a lot of production out of some of these guys. And I just want to see what it could be like when your actual starter is in there. And not just that, but like when you're at peak level talent that you could have on your team right now, right? Mm-hmm. Your actual starting quarterback, your actual starting running back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe they add another receiver. Like you kind of just get like the pieces that you know mm-hmm. you're going to need um, to really see what he can do. Because I think he's proven that he can make things work with – a total mix mash of, of talent and, mm-hmm. and, and variety of skill sets, he can still make them work, but getting the guys that he sort of handpicked to play those positions, mm-hmm. that's what I really want to see. You know, it's like really see how things are going when you've got all of the elements to the car in place and you want to drive it. You know, I want to, yeah. I want to see how that looks. Yeah, for sure. Anything else on the draft? Any other thoughts? Uh, along with wide receiver, I think tight end is a very interesting group in this, uh, in this draft. And I don't know the last time we've seen three tight ends go in the first round. It could happen. Hmm. Um, and uh, I think Gronk retiring kind of opens the door for, for a third one. Two, I think, could have easily happened. Um, but not only do we do, are, are we potentially going to see three, but we could see two from the same school, which oh, is pretty, pretty that? remarkable. From, uh, from Iowa, uh-huh. there's, a, there's a TJ Hawkinson and there's a Noah Fant. Um, both of which could go top 20, uh, depending on how it goes. Um, they're both just kind of – they're both very talented. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's the brand of offense that Iowa runs or if they had poor quarterback play. I don't know how they didn't score a shit ton of points with yeah. uh, two, two potential top 20 tight ends. But, you know, uh, I digress. I think um, as much as we should be talking about defense in this first round, and we should, this defensive class is phenomenal, um, I think there's going to be – Still plenty of immediate starters at wide receiver and tight end uh, mm-hmm. from, from, this, from this first round, first two rounds, maybe even first three rounds. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's another, that's another area of need for the Seahawks. Yeah. I'd love for us to get a, a good tight end, but um, I think we have uh, other needs that are a little more pressing. Yeah, I think so too. Um, we'll have to see. I just want to come back quickly to, uh, to Green Bay. Yep. It's, not, it's not McCarthy, but do you think um, – does Matt LaFleur, LaFleur stand a chance there? I mean, <laughs> this guy, he seems like he's uh, – I mean, he doesn't have – he's not going to have much credibility with, with Rodgers. It seems like he only got hired because he was like – he kind of, you know, had, had McVeigh's phone number on speed dial. Yes, the McVeigh the – McVeigh, um, the, the allure of McVeigh was still with him. Um, the McVeigh coaching tree. Right, yeah. <laughs> uh, the McVeigh cup of coffee tree. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Um, LaFleur's probably – Obviously, he's, he he passed interviews. He's clearly I can at least talk to talk, if, you know, better than better yeah. than any of us can. But uh, can he can he survive? I really think it does come down to what you're you're kind of alluding to, which is you got to get Rogers respect. And I think the only way to do that is you got to wow him with some with some football IQ mm-hmm. or with some offensive brand or scheme or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, You've got to wow him with that because I think that's when things of the many things that apparently contributed to things kind of going sour between 
uh, between Rodgers and McCarthy or, or maybe even just getting worse. Maybe they never were really that great in the first place and they just mm-hmm. continue to deteriorate. Um, a lot of it had to do with the fact that, you know, Rodgers was willing to undermine him more and more at the line of scrimmage and in the locker room and film room or wherever else because he's like, well, I don't feel like I respect your football IQ flat mm-hmm. out, you know. Um, so, But is he going to respect a guy who, who called plays for the 25th-ranked offense last year? Maybe not. I mean, the year that uh, the the year prior to McCarthy getting the job, McCarthy was the OC for the Niners, and they were ranked dead last in offense. Oh, really? So, so I mean, I guess these things happen. But I truly think it comes down to that. I think he's got to just say, "Hey, I'm not the same old kind of like whatever whatever McCarthy was doing. I'm not running that ship. I'm running it my way." And you know, if that's something that speaks to you, then great. If not, Let's meet in the middle. Let's find something kind of let's, let's do that. Because what I, in that whole article on Bleacher Report that I read today, it was one of the better written articles I've ever read um, uh, regarding, regarding football, especially it was uh, detailing how like the ownership made the decision of who the next coach was going to be. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like they really went to Rogers and said, who do you want? Right. Is this guy cool? you be involved in interviews. I mean, maybe he still was, but the decision was kind of made by ownership. So mm-hmm. I think they're trying to set the precedence of like, yo, you got to get along with this guy. Like you got to, because this isn't just like you have all the control and nobody else does, you know? Well, what I read was, uh, what's the president's name of uh, the other Packers? Not McCarthy. Murphy. Right. Murphy. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, yeah. Um, he had a meeting with Rogers apparently where he said, don't be the problem. Don't be the problem. Yeah. If you have to tell a guy not to be yeah. the problem, he's probably yeah. the problem. Yeah. I mean, it's it's int- that whole thing was so interesting about how different like how many different things were going on you know like yeah McCarthy's play calling was like stale and kind of vanilla sometimes or he just assumed he could like blindly call anything and it would work or mm-hmm. you know when he had all the pieces and they were humming along yeah they were like a finely tuned Ferrari you know but as you start to replace you know bargain basement parts here and there here and there Ferrari's not a Ferrari anymore, you know, mm-hmm. and he wasn't able to kind of overcome that. You're talking about him not making adjustments and not being able to. And it's like, okay, well then those, it's kind of just like, oh, well you had this manager at work and they got fired. Well, mm-hmm. what didn't you like about that manager? Oh, well they were micromanaging or they were, they'd interrupt me during work or they'd call me on the weekends. Well, the first thing you want from your new manager is to not do those immediate things. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what um, they're going to try and do. Or that's what the goal should be for Lafleur, and, and you know, ideally, whoever's going to help build that relationship is take mm-hmm. the things that were literally broken and just repair them through, you know, some new kind of you know ingenuity or whatever you want to call it. Um, I think it's going to take a lot. I don't. I'm not saying it's easy at all. I mm-hmm. think it's going to take a lot because I've everything I've put together from watching and reading about Aaron Rodgers over the years, combined with what I've what we read you know, uh, recently, uh, it's not easy to win the guy over. And then once you do, it's still not easy to like kind of stay in his good graces is mm-hmm. what it sounds like. Yeah. So just winning him over isn't enough. You've mm-hmm. got to stay there you've got to maintain. Yeah. So I don't know. It's going to be, I don't know. I think like one of, one of the, one of the kind of brilliant shifts that McVeigh has been able to make is that he, well, he's a, he was a player. He's young. He relates to these guys yep. in a way that, these old stodgy head coaches. Well, that, I think that's big. I think that's big. So if LaFleur, if LaFleur can do that, I mean, the thing is Rodgers isn't 
25, he's 35, you know? So right. he's not maybe going to respond to that in the same way that the younger players would be like, oh, wow, the coach is so cool or something. Roger, yeah. they'll be skeptical based on, you know, all those other factors we talked about. So it's, um, it's going to be a, I think it's going to be like this really tricky kind of high wire act that he has to walk, that LaFleur has yeah. to walk, through, you know? Yeah, so, and, and the other part of it is too is uh, now that McCarthy's gone, uh, you know, the whole spotlight is on Rodgers, right? They said that, I think, towards the, the latter parts of, uh, of some of the quotes they're grabbing and paraphrasing throughout the article is, mm-hmm. you know, there's no excuses anymore about, like, well, we didn't succeed because McCarthy did this and McCarthy did that. And even Ted Thompson, the GM, mm-hmm. you know, uh, was negligent or they waited too long to sort of relieve him of his duties because he'd been there for so long, but he was having health problems and he was like, kind of maybe unable to even like physically do the job anymore, much less really put everything into it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they got a new GM um, as of last year, I believe. And he's like this disciple guy from like, you know, um, one of the, one of the, the more like legit GM trees, I believe. Mm-hmm. And um, you got a new head coach and he's supposed to be this, you know, at least younger, inspiring type of dude. It's like, mm-hmm. you pretty much got what you asked for. Right. So I think, that's where I could see the owner coming from of being like, Hey, we made the changes. Okay. Like, mm-hmm. there's like no, like kind of no more complaints now, please. Yeah. Like, you know, and he's running out of time. I mean, he could play, play till he's 39, maybe 40, but you know, he's not gonna be the same player at that age. And like he's, and it's at, it, when I, at the end of the day, it's like, it's up to the players to produce, you know? So, um, I mean, I guess that's why maybe he was taking the games into his own hands and calling 30% of the plays or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know, but uh, at the end of the day, Rogers has to kind of get it done, or you know, I don't know. You can blame other people all you want, but it doesn't doesn't change the outcome. Yeah, yeah, that's very that's very true. Um, it'll just be astonishing to me if a player of his caliber mm-hmm. ends his career with one Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. You know, but I mean, it's happened before. It's happened before. Damn players right. of that or just under that you know caliber mm-hmm. have had no Super Bowls. So oh yeah, sure. things things happen. You know. Um, uh it'll be it'll be really interesting but it's 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 a fair it's a very like conversational question you bring up of like (laughs) is he gonna survive because that that's also gonna scare people away if something crazy happens and he gets canned in two years yeah like they go on some bad losing streak or something like then then what you know where does that leave you maybe at that point as a packers you move on from rogers maybe i don't know i don't know anyway see how it plays out um I feel like your answer to everything is just trade your quarterback. That's, uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't understand. I don't understand this. <laughs> He's expensive. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, this uh, today is the fifth anniversary of when we released the very first episode of the, the Slant and Go. That is correct. And I'm just glad we're not on the fifth episode of it. Um, I mean, at the rate we were going, it wouldn't we, be. We were, we were gearing towards that. It was, it was <laughs> getting there um trending as they would say right but, uh no it's crazy time does fly um it's been super fun um mm-hmm. i think last year we managed to really kind of figure a lot of things out regarding the the process that we need to have to to mm-hmm. make this work and i think um uh you know it's just it's been it's been amazing so far and i'm gonna i'm gonna keep bugging you to uh, to do it um <laughs> as much as long as you want to Wow. That's cool. Uh, are you going to renew my contract? Uh, we'll see about that. You're pretty expensive too. I might just trade you. <laughs> for a, for like a, mul- 
multiple Bud Lights when we get together <laughs> at the at, at Paul and Eddie's. <laughs> yeah, I know what your signing bonus usually entails, and you know, te- tequila can be acquired, so it's okay. <laughs> right, right. Oh uh, yeah, no, it's been it's been a ton of fun. Um, you know, shout out to Paul for kind of you know kickstarting the whole True. thing. And, um, the Paul, yeah. the Paul, the Paul father. <laughs> and uh, you know, here's to uh, another five years of, of uh, the slant and go. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Cheers to that. Cheers to that. All right.